Okay, welcome back to the program, everybody. It is Thursday. It's January 25th. Uh, we, we thank you all for joining us th th this beautiful morning. Um, it's a bit foggy here in Chicago, but uh, Raven and I are chugging along. We got Raven back in the studio today. Um, thank you, Raven, for being out here. Um, of course, of course. Yeah, Brendan, Brendan did a great job in, in your absence. So um, we're, we're happy to have you back, though. We are happy to be here. It is a great great day for hockey it is a great day for sports um yesterday we all know was a a difficult one in hockey but we hope that as we are able to bookmark that chapter of one ugly situation that we hope we'll see justice brought at one side of things we are able to maybe focus a little bit more on the hockey and we know that that can sometimes be a difficult proposition when there are people that are very upset with uh the way some things are handled when it comes to the 2018 world junior situation um, not to open up on such a difficult subject, but, um, there was still a lot of great hockey last night and, um, the, we'll, we'll, we'll start at the bottom. We'll work our way backwards. So the Buffalo Sabres defeat the Los Angeles Kings five to three. Um, Los Angeles had a three, one lead in that game. It looked like it was going to go one way and then it totally went another one. Um, maybe a bit of a surprise that Devin Levi got the start. I know I mentioned it yesterday on the show, and I think um, it shouldn't have been as much of a surprise that Devin Levi got the start. We all know that uh, the Buffalo Sabres organization really believes in the kid, and they want to try and give him as many opportunities to succeed as possible. And he was solid. He was very good yesterday. He was excellent. And on a night that they, they, they being the LA Kings, celebrated Anze Kopitar, um, he... Was, he did become the 25th player to have 18 or more seasons of 40-plus points, which was it's a very ESPN stat, but also one that just shows the durability and consistency of Anze Kopitar. One of the things I heard yesterday that I thought was um, very cool was Anze Kopitar is your favorite hockey player's favorite hockey player. And um, Anze Kopitar has been doing it a very long time. He is... Um, just one of the most revered leaders in the game. We've talked a little bit about Michael Backlund. I think Anze Kopitar is right up there. Two-time Stanley Cup champion, 400 goals in the National Hockey League, King's all-time leader in games played and points, and he's got a lot more time left in Los Angeles, I feel like. He's got a, at least a couple more years under his belt. So um, there are a lot of things that will be celebrated for Anze Kopitar in the coming years. But... At the same time, this isn't a situation where Anze is just riding off into the sunset. The Los Angeles Kings are supposed to have a very competitive team, and they are a team that has a good record. They currently sit in a playoff spot, but we all know that things have not been going as well for Los Angeles as they would have liked, especially when you compare it to the beginning of the season, when they were on that record-setting road winning streak. And things have just not been good the last... 15 or so games you can tell that they're getting away from the structure that they want to play with that the cohesiveness of the team might be a bit um discombobulated and uh do we got the drew dowdy clip ready to go yeah of course yeah so let's send it over to drew dowdy post game after this one team games what has to change here um i think we got guys in this room who are too worried about themselves and worried about their points and worried about stuff like that we get a 3-1 lead tonight and, you know, guys start thinking it's a, it's a cookie night and we stop playing the way we know how to play, have an awful second period, and then aren't much better in the third. Uh, it's about the team. It's not about yourself. And a lot of guys on this team would need to realize that. Through this whole stretch of games, every game has been relatively close. Does this feel like maybe the bottom out for you guys with how the, the second and the third went? I mean, honestly, it's, 
felt like the bottom out for a while now. Um, it's frustrating not getting these wins. We're trying to stay positive. We're trying to, you know, get back to having fun out there and play our game. But uh, it's hard to do that when you're on a streak like this. And uh, this is this has been a struggle for us. And the only way we're going to get out of it is if we get everybody's 100% effort and everyone playing for the team for each other. So cookie night was the one that stuck out to me, um, playing for each other. The fact that he said it's not everybody, that's the problem, is probably a good thing if you're the Los Angeles Kings. Um, Drew Doughty has really been leading by example, and I know Anze Kopitar scored last night too, but I don't know that he's entirely playing at 100% himself. Um, but the goaltending hasn't really even been the issue. The The defense has looked good at times. Uh, for me, in Los Angeles, it's a lot about the forward assignments. We've This has been a, a big theme of discussion this week, and um, there's a lot of noise around it surrounding Los Angeles, and um, I feel like a lot of people are putting Todd, McClell Todd McClellan on the hot seat a bit, and I don't know that that is entirely justified. Um, we all know that coaches' messages can go on deaf ears eventually, but um, Todd McClellan's a winner. He is a very, very good coach. He has this Kings team playing a way that they really haven't played in a long time. And I'm not just talking about this last 15 games. I'm talking about since he's been there the last year and a half, two and a half years. So um, I don't know that it's entirely on the shoulders of Todd McClellan. Now, in order to get these forwards going, there might need to be some adjustments made. Um, if these players are thinking that it's going to be a cookie night against the Buffalo Sabres when they are up three to one and then they go on to lose the game that may have something to do with the character in the room and um, how things need to just be opened up. We saw it with the Colorado avalanche earlier with Devontae's saying that um, if some guys were, if some guys think they're playing well, they're kidding themselves. Um, and look, these are these are defense. Those are the similarities between those two instances. Are these are both defensemen who are doing all of the right things on the ice. I know Drew Doughty is frustrated, but he, he himself is having a really good year and even a really good stretch here of play when the Kings have not been getting these wins. So um, I don't think Los Angeles has too much to worry about besides a tough matchup in the first round, either playing Vancouver or playing Winnipeg. However, that might shake out. But it is getting to a point where I don't really know if Los Angeles is going to be able to sneak into the top three, especially if things continue the way they are. And if Edmonton wins their 15th in a row tonight, we'll get there. Um, first of all, the first round of the playoffs, if the playoffs were to start today, they would be excellent. We've got some really good matchups. And I think we're locked into a Vegas Golden Knights Edmonton Oilers first round, unless one of those teams end up, ends up snatching first overall in the Pacific from Vancouver. But back to L.A., um, I think they're probably locked into that first wild card spot. And I know it's a bit early. There's still more than half of a season to go. A lot of different things can happen. A lot of things can change. But um, they have fewer games played than the teams behind them, but more games played than the teams ahead of them, mainly the Oilers. And um, like I said, I just I don't know how much of an opportunity there is going to be to be able to sneak into that top three. And I don't even know if you really want to sneak into that top three. Is a matchup with the Golden Knights or the Oilers really that much better of a proposition? You're going to need to win four games in the first round regardless of who you play. And maybe the Kings might feel better playing a, one of those Canadian teams that are sitting at the top of the division like Winnipeg or Vancouver. Um, right now it would be Winnipeg if they were to start the playoffs today. But... They are not. We still have about another 40 games to go. So 
Um, on the Sabre side of things, that was a big win for Buffalo. Uh, Devin Levi, like I said, looked really good. J.J. Paterka was really good. How about that Jack Quinn shot, too, to tie the game at three? That was awesome. He's um, really rounding into form after a tough injury in the offseason. He's been back for a little bit now and is really finding his groove. Um, and I and I don't know for the Sabres, you know, we've talked a lot about these playoff matchups and just exactly how tight it is in the East right now, too, with when it comes to the wild card race. It's going to take the Sabres a lot to really kick themselves into gear and get going and try and make a push for this. And I don't even know for Buffalo if it is about the playoffs this year. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of guys in that locker room that are very proud that would like to be playing meaningful games come March. But as long as you can show that the talent is there to work hard and even approach it, if you can jump a couple of the teams in the standings ahead of you, namely maybe a Pittsburgh or even a Washington who has suddenly found themselves falling out of a playoff spot, then the season will be a success. I personally believe that some of these teams, you always fall victim to believing that some of these teams, and the Buffalo Sabres have been one of these teams in recent years, where winning a lot of games at the end of the season when you're already out of the playoff picture and other teams that you play also might be out of the playoff picture – or they might have their spots in the postseason really safely secured. Sometimes you're going to win a lot more games at the end of the season than you might have been at the beginning of the season. So I don't know that that's the way that Buffalo is going to prove themselves heading into next season. But um, getting wins now, getting these wins against these teams is very important. So um, that was a good win for the Buffalo Sabres, a nice character win for the organization. Um just a really good, good effort all around. And I am checking to see when the Sabres play again. It it says on my telephone that they don't play again until Saturday. So they will play Saturday. They will play at San Jose in a nice afternoon game for everybody here and everywhere. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. And then the Kings are in Colorado tonight or tomorrow night. I'm sorry, not tonight. Um, getting the days mixed up, everybody. It's been a, it's been a long, it's been a long week. So, um, only nine games around the NHL tonight. We'll break those down a little bit in a second here. And there are only four games tomorrow and all of them are great matchups. We'll talk more about them tomorrow, but the Kings are in Colorado taking on the avalanche who I guess we should really have started the show with today, Raven, but, uh, we'll get to them now. And what I really believe, and I, and I just think that Nikita Kucherov and Nathan McKinnon are going to start trading off unreal performances night after night just until the season ends. And whoever has the last one is going to end up winning the MVP. So obviously Kucherov has a hat trick against the Philadelphia Flyers Tuesday night. Um, the Lightning win 6-3. to three. And Nate McKinnon says, whatever you can do, Nikita, I can do better. So Nathan McKinnon was just a dominant force. And he honestly might be the best hockey player in the world right now. We all know Connor McDavid is the best hockey player in the world. There are other guys. But man, if Nathan McKinnon isn't playing the best hockey on planet earth right now i don't know who is um he has four goals and an assist five points to beat the capitals six to two um that was a tough one for the capitals they really didn't have much of a chance from the get-go second half of a back-to-back and they looked like it so um kale mccarr also scores he sets an avalanche record with 76 goals and um but nathan mckinnon i don't know that there's much else that can be said about nathan mckinnon the the force that he plays the game with, the intensity, the passion, the quick strike offense that he and Ranton in particular have been demonstrating. The two-on-one goal comes to mind. 
the sweet pass by Rant and the great move by Nathan McKinnon taking it to the net. And then he was, you know, against Alexander Ovechkin in the Washington Capitals. He scored two goals right from the OV spot, you know, um, one from the circle and one a little bit closer to the goal line. And both were ridiculous shots that um, found himself set up differently, but still in a way where the, the thing about Ovechkin that I think was probably the most incredible about the amount of goals he scored was the fact that everybody knew where he was going to be shooting the puck from and the fact that nobody could stop it. And Nathan McKinnon is not just parked in one spot, but when he is parked in a spot, you you do know where he's going to be on the power play, and there's really nothing you can do about it. So the uh, the Colorado Avalanche really take down the Washington Capitals. Like I said, 6-2. They'll be back in action tomorrow against the Kings. That should be a really good one, folks. That should be a really good one. So we will keep our eyes on that. Um did you see the two fights, Raven, off the uh, off the opening face-off last night of the, the Panthers-Coyotes game? I did. Uh, you showed me the one where they started playing the John Cena music. That was awesome. That was really cool. But I, I don't think it's—I think it's been a long time since I've seen two fights back-to-back right off the opening draw. Uh, it was not a line brawl. It was uh, Ryan Lomberg and Jack McBain going at it right off the opening face-off. They marked the time at— Five seconds into the period, even though it was immediately after the puck was dropped, um, they had quite a tilt. And that's where we heard the John Cena music, which I'm not a big WWE guy, but I did understand the reference, right? So that, that was pretty cool. And I think that's a creative way to endear yourself to a South Florida environment that I think is still really grasping onto hockey in general. I love to see it personally as somebody that grew up in that area and has experienced the growth of hockey in that area. Um, and we're going to get a friend of mine on eventually to talk a little Panthers, too. Um, and then Jonah Gadjevic and Liam O'Brien dropped the gloves on the next face-off, and that one didn't go probably as long as those two guys would have liked. The referees stepped in after um, Gadjevic pulled Liam O'Brien's jersey over his head. And the Panthers win. The Panthers win. I don't know how much more we can say about the Panthers. Sam Reinhardt especially is a goal and an assist. Ho-hum. Another day in the life of Sam Reinhardt. He now has an 11-game point streak. I think Matthew Kachuk really is, um, I mean, look, this was the guy that was the talk of the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. He um, he really seems to be finding his form now. I know he had a bit of a difficult start to the season compared to uh, a normal Matthew Kachuk season, even last year's Matthew Kachuk season. But um, he has been heating up. He scores two goals last night. Both of them were great. He... Um, just looks like a physical force again, which I think is what the Panthers want. And he is such a confident dude and not even just confident in himself. I think you need to be confident in yourself to play in the National Hockey League. You don't really make it to this level of sport performance without having some self-confidence, maybe even bordering on arrogance in some cases. But with Matthew Kachuk, it is more of a belief and arrogance, I guess, in the the process of the team, which I think is very special for the Florida Panthers. I don't know even if um, many people in South Florida truly understand or recognize the impact of this player and the impact of Paul Maurice. So Paul Maurice uh, now sits second on the all-time coaching list. I just want to get this correct before I go around and saying it on air. So uh, yeah, so Paul Maurice um Passes Barry Trotz for the second most games coached in NHL history. He is at 1813. 
only behind Scotty Bowman at 21-41. So um, Paul Maurice is just an awesome coach. He, uh, you know, we'll get some clips of him as the season goes on too, and especially as the playoffs start. He um, he is comedy gold and clip gold for people like us in this industry. So, um, yeah, Paul Maurice is a really good guy, and, you know, Matthew Kachuk is really content with how they are building things. You can tell that um, – the NHL wants Matthew Kachuk to be a face of the, the game, and he is a face of the game. He We saw him on the NBA on TNT checking in with Charles Barkley last year when the Panthers went to the final, and um, he is a very amazing personality for this game and will do a lot in the future to grow it. But as you are trying to grow the sport in an area like South Florida where, to be honest with you, I was down there for the holidays, and there are still quite a lot of people who don't really know what's going on with the Florida Panthers and where I'm from, which is uh, Palm Beach County, the, the Florida Panthers are the closest professional sports team. It's not the Miami Dolphins. It's not the Miami Heat. It's not the Marlins. It's not any of the um, Northern sports teams. Um, so it is the Florida Panthers. So there needs to be more done where you walk into a restaurant and the Panthers game around and there are people watching it. And that, there's still some time to get there. Um, obviously, continued success and consistent success will breed that into the the culture of South Florida but um they're very confident what they're building there and I think that might just have to be my personal Stanley Cup winner pick we'll see we'll see how it goes I I lean differently every as the hours pass I I find myself onto a different team latching on believing that they could win the Stanley Cup but the Panthers defeat the Yotes 6-2. Uh, Dylan Genther had a goal and assist late. Logan Cooley scored the other goal. Genther's been really good since he's been called up by uh, the Coyotes from Tucson. Uh, I made I made note of that a few weeks ago. I would just like to say um, that him and Josh Stone needed to be given a bit more opportunities. And that's what it looks like. So the uh, those same Coyotes will be in Tampa Bay tonight. And they will face off a Tampa Bay team where Nikita Kucherov, we will see if he can put up a hat trick. And surpass Nathan McKinnon in points because they are just trading off that league leaderboard. Nathan McKinnon could not score a point the rest of the season and still be at a point per game. We're at that point of production, folks. Um, Nathan McKinnon has been unreal. So is Nikita Kucherov. The Avalanche win again. Um, and that game tomorrow, I'm really excited for that Kings-LA, or that Kings-Avs game. That should be really fun hockey, really meaningful hockey. Um, and we'll see how that goes. So, uh, elsewhere around the league tonight, we have uh, Patrick Waugh returning to Montreal and facing the Canadians. He, uh, his New York Islanders are 1-1 one one since he has returned behind the bench. Um, they won their first game, obviously, against Dallas, and then they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday. In Aiden Hill's return to the net, he looked really good. So um, we'll, see, we'll see what goes on with the Islanders. The, um, the Canadians, I'm sure, would love to get a win here, but I think the players inside that Islander locker room understand the weight of Patrick Waugh's presence in Montreal. And I think just as we get closer to puck drop here, they will recognize that more and more. Um, so that that's just going to be must-watch hockey. The Oilers obviously go on for 15 wins in a row. They'll host the Chicago Blackhawks tonight, who played in Seattle last night, and... That one did not go very well if you're the Hawks. I mean, hey, on the bright side, at least, the Hawks did put a couple pucks in, in the back of the net. Um, but Seattle was just really, really good. And um, the Hawks are, I don't want to say the Hawks are struggling, but 
I do feel a little bit as if the wheels are starting to come off the bus of the Chicago Blackhawks a little bit. Um, you know, you have guys like Jason Dickinson, who's been really good, very consistent for the team. Seth Jones seems to be finding um, a bit of a groove this season after I know it was very difficult for him in the early goings of the season. Um, but Thomas Tatar was really good last night. Jared McCann, obviously, was very good. Uh, Brandon Tanev was pretty impactful in this one, too, I will have to say. Um, and the Kraken take the season series. And honestly, those last two games were not even close because we saw Seattle dust Chicago 7-1 to on December 14th. So the last two games combined score of 13-3 to in favor of the Kraken. At least the Hawks got one against the Kraken this season. Um, but Seattle's really turned the corner. They end a four-game losing skid, too, and um, find themselves back on the right side of things. And Joey Decord, um, I don't... I don't know what it is about this guy, but he's super likable. He is, um, he might just very well be the Seattle Kraken starter right now. And maybe I've already missed the boat on that. He might just be the Seattle Kraken starter, period. And um, no matter what happens going forward, I don't know that that's really the case, but he is just making an argument for himself to be a, even a long term starter in Seattle. And that's very, very cool. Uh, we've talked about Joey Decord, first player from Arizona State to play in the National Hockey League. So, um, and just hearing him talk, he's very humble, very appreciative. You don't really go from starting a Division One program at a college to playing in the National Hockey League without having that kind of attitude to yourself and um, that sort of self-realization of where you are currently in a spot and working hard to get to where you want to be from that spot. Joey Decord is an excellent example of all of that. So, um like I said, the the Blackhawks will be in action tonight against the Oilers. We're going to see if they can go for 15 in a row. I'm going to put my money on it, but if they lose tonight to the Blackhawks, then everybody can come back to the show and blame me. So um, we also got the Preds at the Wild. John Hines, Minnesota Wild coach, uh, will face his former team, the Nashville Predators, who are playing really good hockey. They're playing very good hockey. Um, we, they re-signed Cole Smith yesterday to a two-year uh, deal, $1 million average annual value. And um, I think they're starting to identify, I think Barry Trotz and Andrew Burnett are really starting to identify what players they want to be a part of things going forward. Um, I would not be surprised if the Predators go for a swing and try and make a trade of some variety, maybe package up a couple of players to bring in a heavy hitter either on, and I don't mean heavy hitter literally, I mean heavy hitter in terms of star power and um, bringing in somebody either on the front end or the back end. Um, I think it's just about deciding where he wants to be. I recently heard Barry Trotz in an interview on the Jeff Merrick show saying that um, he has gotten calls for both goaltenders who um, he's got a young rising star prospect, Yaroslav Askarov, who I watched play quite a bit in the American hockey league last year. He was excellent last year. He's been great this year. Um, Played in the NHL, got a win this year, and um, they also have UC Soros, who I think a lot of contenders, I'm looking at New Jersey, I'm looking at possibly Toronto, I'm looking at possibly Los Angeles, um, as teams that might want a more veteran established goaltender who's really near the top of all goaltenders in the National Hockey League in UC Soros, and he's been very good this season too. Um, so it's, I think it's all about just where the Nashville Predators are and where they want to be. If they want to transition into more of a younger phase of things, maybe they hang on to Askarov. If they believe that they can win now and break through, then maybe you hang on to Saros, you package Askarov with somebody else, and you bring in a, a big-time scorer of some variety. I don't really have um, 
much knowledge as to what scores might be available out there, especially if you're looking at somebody with term as opposed to a rental. Um, but yeah, so the Preds will take on the Wild tonight. That should be a really interesting matchup. The Wild really need to win that one. If you are Minnesota, you really got to win that game. Um, they obviously are coming off a win against the Washington Capitals on Tuesday night. So um, we shall see how many minutes Brock Faber plays again tonight. And um, that'll be really good. And honestly, probably the heavy hitting, the heavyweight tilt of the night. I don't know if many people would have predicted this, that on a Thursday night with all of the with nine NHL games on tap and Patrick Waugh returning to Montreal, that the heavy hitting matchup would be the Philadelphia Flyers at the Detroit Red Wings. Um, but indeed, everybody, that is, in my opinion, the heavyweight matchup of the night. Um, we'll see who gets the start and goal for Detroit. I would bet my money that it is Alex Lyon in between the pipes. Um, obviously, Philadelphia is without Carter Hart, so we should see Sam Erson in net for the Flyers. Um, I think Philly has gotten away a little bit from the style of play that John Tortorella has vociferously imparted on them. I, to put it lightly, I just, I don't think that he's going to be satisfied with the way they've been playing lately for much longer. Um, I just have to give a shout out to Cam Atkinson too. He's been phenomenal. He missed, uh, all of last season with a injury and he has returned and I just, um, he's a family friend too. I'm, uh, very, very close with his sister-in-law. So I know it has not been the easiest for him to um, miss some time. And, you know, he, he's a bit older. So you never know how these players are going to return after missing a whole year. But not only have the Flyers had one player return after missing a whole year, they've had two players return after missing a whole year in Sean Couturier. And both of them have been excellent. Cam Atkinson has a six-game point streak from what I remember. And I, I really hope he can push and make it seven. Uh, Joel Farabee's also been playing really well, too. And um, this team just really seems to like each other, too. Even though you look at the Philadelphia Flyers and the, the composition of the roster, and you may say this is a bit of an awkward collection of players. And you might be right. Um, you have some players who are just beginning their careers, some players who are really trying to make their marks in the NHL and stay in a John Tortorella lineup looking at um, guys like Tyson Forrester and the likes, uh, Bobby Brink, um, those types of players. You have older established veterans, some of whom, like I said, Atkinson and Couturier are working their way back into the lineup. You have um, you have some older defensemen, older being relative. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call Travis Sanheim old or Nick Sealer or some of these guys, Sean Walker. Um, but they... You still need to decide where you are because you just made the trade for Jamie's, Jamie Drysdale, who I think in the synergy of the Philadelphia Flyers is going to be perfect. He is exactly what they needed outside of maybe a cutter Gautier piece, but we won't spend too much time on that. But Jamie Drysdale is just an excellent fit. He could be a mainstay staple on the top pair on the right side for the next 15 years for the Philadelphia Flyers if they really do this right. So they um, they have a good piece. They have a good collection of players. Um I don't really know what the direction for the Flyers is, right? They um, they have some pieces maybe they might look to move on from, like Morgan Frost. But um, this is still a good hockey team. And if you're Detroit, I think you really want this win. You want to make sure that those teams like the Washingtons and the New Jerseys and the, uh, the Pittsburghs don't have any signs of life in trying to catch you. And you also have Tampa Bay, who keeps on winning, even though if you're Detroit, you beat them on Sunday. So... Um, this should be an interesting one. That's probably my heavyweight tilt of 
Tilt of the Night, excuse me. So um, we also got some other games on the NHL. Johnny Goudreau is going to return to Calgary for the second time. I don't know that his teammates are going to practice serenading him with booze at the morning skate today like they did last time. Um, but the CBJ are in Calgary to take on the Flames tonight. We also have the Ducks at the Stars. That should be a pretty good one. We'll see if Olin Zellweger gets into his second NHL game. Forgot to mention that yesterday, but he got into his first NHL game on Tuesday and was really good. Like, this kid is really, really, really good, and he probably should have been in the National Hockey League to start the season. I am not going to say that any time in the American Hockey League is a negative um, thing for a hockey player because it is kind of a positive that he was one of the better young defensemen in the American Hockey League, if not the best young defenseman in the American Hockey League before getting his call up. Got an assist on a goal last uh, on Tuesday, and we'll see if he plays again. I think Anaheim would like him to play again. They um, they they need some bright spots in Anaheim. They need um, some good players to really shine through, and they're starting to get that, but uh, achieving it with consistency is really what's going to take this team from the basement into playoff contention, and not this season, but in the near future. Um, just a light look around the NHL, some of the other games. Um New Jersey's at Carolina, so that should be an interesting one. That is um, a battle of two teams that uh, good Metro Division rivals. So um, the Devils really would like to take it to, to her, the Hurricanes in that one, I can assume. Um, and I think that's it. That's nine games around the NHL. We got Arizona at Tampa Bay, Boston at Ottawa. That's that's the biggie. Um, that maybe isn't a biggie if you're looking at it and you're thinking about it, but. Um, the Ottawa Senators have announced that Jacques Martin will be staying aboard for the rest of the season. Um, Steve Steo said Thursday this morning that he is, quote, exploring all options to improve the team. Um, we know that the Senators have some pending unrestricted free agents, namely Vlad Tarasenko. Um, I definitely think that he could be a good piece for a contender looking for a bit of scoring help towards the end of the season. Um, We've also mentioned that Jacob Chickren's name is out there a little bit. I think that's ridiculous. Um, you just paid assets to go get this guy. And I understand we I have brought up on this show before that you have the the improper balance of lefty, 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 lefty among the top four senators defensemen. And I don't know that that is efficiently the right way to do things going forward for even the next six years. Um, I think eventually you're going to want a a good right shot defenseman like a Jamie Drysdale, maybe not as young as a Jamie Drysdale, maybe somebody who's further along in their development curve, but to, to immediately toss Jacob Chickren's name out there after um, saying, after acquiring this guy and the struggles he went through in Arizona and to be able to work his way out of there um, when he really didn't want to. Um, and so Chickren's under contract through next season. And I don't, think that they are going to look to move him. I know that that name has been bandied about. Um, I I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that Steve Steos would rather see if Jacob Chikrin can play on the right side than try and trade Jacob Chikrin or even Thomas Shabbat if something like that were to happen. I don't think that they would move on from Jake Sanderson at all. I think he's way too vital to the future of this organization. And I think anybody in Ottawa or anybody paying attention to the National Hockey League realizes that. Um... But we'll see. We'll see. Um, and like I said, he also announced Jacques Martin is going to finish out the season as a uh, as the coach before a real full-time national search, international even, search begins in the offseason. So um, he's 7-9-1 in his uh, second stint behind the Ottawa bench. So 
Um, those are all the games that happened last night, uh, and those are all the games coming tonight. Uh, a little bit of talk about the Prospects game. I watched that last night, and that was a really interesting game. I really enjoyed that a lot. That was some good hockey. Uh, Rayo Bouillard, uh, player of the game for Team Red, as they defeat Team White 3-1. Uh, Tij Aginla, who was the talking point of discussion all night. And look, I can't even, um, like, fault TSN for that at all. Tij Aginla is... He, I mean, I heard him in the post-game interview that he did on the ice, and um, man, like that kid is going to be a star. I think he might be the, my biggest riser. I think eventually I'm going to work out a, um, a mock draft at some point and uh, present it here, and I would not be surprised to see Tijiginla even slide into the top seven of the NHL draft before when all is said and done with the end of the season. Liam Greentree was also awesome. Um Sharon Hometown Panos, uh, Windsor Spitfire captain, Liam Greentree. Um, he was really good yesterday, really noticeable. I've been a bit hot and cold with Greentree, really wondering what kind of impact and he'll be able to have at the next level, how his game is going to translate. And this kid looks like this. his game will have no issue transitioning to the National Hockey League. Um, and then one interesting hockey fact, just because that I wanted to throw it out there, Harrison Brunick. Um, plays for Kamloops in the Western Hockey League, is in his second season with Kamloops in the Western Hockey League. He was born in South Africa. He moved to Calgary at the age of three or two. Um, but still, what an awesome story. Um, hockey's growing. We will always highlight things like that on this show and in other shows that we have on our network going forward. The ability for sport to take hold in places where maybe it wasn't, and I know he didn't learn the game in South Africa, but here's the thing. There are people in South Africa playing the game, and South Africa is actually the only IIHF country in Africa that competes at the World Championship every year. So to see that is cool, and I'm sure that maybe, I don't know, look how much this kid is eventually going to um, hearken back to his South African roots, but maybe he does. Maybe he does, and that's always good for the growth of hockey, even just saying things like this, that the kid was born there will uh, maybe shine a bit more light on what they're doing in South Africa with hockey, which is pretty good work, honestly. If you look, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on South African hockey here, but if you if you have some free time, you do a little digging into the program and all the players that they bring to the World Championships every year, and the, the, they play in the World Juniors too. Um, they do women's competitions too. Um, I, I, I won't lie, I'm not as educated as far as to what the South Africans are doing with their women's program. But I know for the men that it is incredibly homegrown. They have a domestic league that they work very hard to make sure it's as structured as possible and giving players as much of an opportunity to try and grow and develop the game as much as they can in a country like South Africa. So um, Harrison Brunick, keep keep an eye on that name going into the draft this year. Uh, that was a really good game. And I think the big news of the game came after the game where um, Jeff Merrick, thank you for helping our show today. Um, according to Jeff Merrick last night, the CHL Top Prospects game will likely be replaced by a two-game series between the CHL and the best USA prospects. Uh, this game, the CHL uh, Top Prospects game has been played annually since 1996. Um, so apparently last night's game might be the last of its kind. I, um, I've i enjoyed the CHL Top Prospects game. I have watched the American Top, Pro- Top Prospects game for a while. It has undergone a few changes over time and so it becomes a bit harder to attach yourself to it as much as um the chl top prospects game maybe but um i think this is a great idea i um i won't i I have to admit i was a bit um surprised i think by the 
um, announcement of this or just even the mention of it. I don't think there has not been a formal announcement by either the CHL or USA Hockey that something like this would take place. But we all know one of the greatest rivalries in we all know the greatest rivalry in hockey and one of the greatest rivalries in sports is USA and Canada. So um, pitting these two top prospects teams against each other, I think will be awesome. And I think for the USA top prospects game, I know they um, they played James Hagens, who um, is not even eligible for the draft this year. So um, not that they were like scraping to find players to play in the top prospects game for the USA, but it, um, I think it'll create a more competitive atmosphere with this. And it's also very cool. I heard, You hear a lot about like how um, a lot of these players in the CHL game yesterday, they know each other and how different that is from an older generation of players that played in this game where, you know, you play in the Western Hockey League and you play on your team in the Western Hockey League and you really don't even know the other players in the Western Hockey League, let alone the guys who play in the OHL and the guys who play in the QMJHL. It's very hard. It was very hard to uh, even interact with those guys at all. But now with social media and um, just the amount of competitions that these guys play together at too, um, all the Hockey Canada events and stuff like that, these guys know each other. So I think that that, um, that creates a different kind of environment. These games used to even feature a lot of fights. So um, I think it's cool that they're more um, acquainted with each other. And I think it makes even for better hockey. So um, that was interesting. We'll, we'll do more draft coverage as the year unfolds and, um, as we, as we continue on here, you know, um, I want to do some more draft coverage. We're going to bring in some different people. We have, um, oh gosh, who we got next week coming on? Um, Avery Lewis McDougal is going to come on. He's going to, we're going to ask him to do a little hit. I hope the Oilers can extend this winning streak past, um, at least until we get Avery on, I think that would be pretty cool. We're also going to have Nathan Chibi on, on Monday. Um, he's a really smart cat, works for the Chicago Wolves. Um, we're going to have him on on Monday, get his take around some different things around the NHL. And, uh, yeah, we're, we would love to get some people in that would uh, talk some prospects with us. I think that would be really exciting. Um, like I said, I'm going to uh, work on a mock draft of my own, so that way when draft night comes we can see how bad I am at this. And... Um, yeah, I think I think that might do it for us today. Um, just in the in the name of um, giving congrats and acknowledging International Hockey too, I just wanted to say that uh, I missed this yesterday, and I meant to bring it up on the program. Yesterday was the hundred year anniversary, one hundred years that Italy and Romania joining the IAHF. Um, they joined January twenty fourth, nineteen twenty four, and I, I just think that that's awesome. I think Italy's currently the eighteenth best uh, in the world. And um, Romania's 23rd. So these countries are good. Um, nine games around the NHL tonight. Uh, Raven's playing me out with some music. So uh, thank you again for taking us in today. We appreciate anybody that uh, comes in and always stops by and listens to us. Uh, we'll have Zach Elliott with the uh, Deep Fade coming out uh, tomorrow. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. We'll recap the nine games tonight. We'll set you up for a good weekend of hockey um, leading into the All-Star break. And uh, thank you again to Raven. We uh We'll see you all tomorrow. See you in 24. See you guys tomorrow.